Hey, good morning, church. My name's John. I serve here as the executive pastor. It's a joy to teach this morning out of the book of uh, Deuteronomy. If you're a guest with us this morning, welcome to Glen Ellen Bible Church. We're glad you're here. Hopefully somebody will recognize that you're a guest, reach out a hand and say, welcome to Glen Ellen Bible. That's a reminder, church. Look out for visitors, right? About 20 years ago, Carrie, my wife, and I received a housewarming gift. At that time, it was popular to take old pieces of wood, like barn wood or a fence or something, and paint some kind of saying on it. You guys remember that era? Maybe the era is still going on. I'm not sure. I'm not really a great interior decorator, but we got an old piece of wood with, a, with a, a saying painted on it as a, as a housewarming gift about 20 years ago or so. Right now, my wife is terrified that I have put a picture up of the inside of our home. <laughs> this is the, uh, the sign that we got. It says, Keepers of Faith. The door that hangs above is the door that goes between our mudroom and the garage. This is the door that about 5 million times a day is opened and closed and opened and closed and opens and closed as my wife and I and our five kids go in and out of our home. You guys have this door in your house? Clearly our door has some reminders on it as well. Don't ride your bike while you're wearing slides. <laughs> Things like that. But we hung this sign, Keepers of Faith, right above this door as we go in and out every single day to remind ourselves, to remind ourselves of who we are as a people. The Vandervelds, we, we want to be keepers of faith. People that keep the faith. Because all of us know as, as you go in and out of that door, as you, as you leave the sort of the protection of your home and the people you know and love and trust, and you, you exit that door into the world, there's all sorts of things, all sorts of messages that come our way to tell us that we are anything other than keepers of the faith. Temptations, hard situations, relationship struggles, hard things at work, hard things at school, hard things with friends, all sorts of things that go on in the world outside of our home. And, and our culture is challenging, right, church? Our, the, the, the world outside of that door is challenging to navigate. And we need to be reminded of who we are. We are the people of God, keepers of faith. That's who we are. Let me confess to you that we need this reminder. We desperately need this reminder because the truth is, is that when we go outside of that door and we interact with the world, that it can be challenging to us, challenging to our hearts, that there are times when we face those temptations and we face those struggles where our hearts are prone to wander. You guys familiar with that tune? That hymn, let me put it up on the screen. It's from the hymn, Come Thou Fount. Let that grace now like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love. You ever been prone to wander? You ever have that feeling as you go through the difficulties of life or you, you leave your, the comforts of your home and you're interacting with a challenging world and culture? Your heart can feel prone to wander. Ever felt that, church? Maybe you're wandering right now. Maybe you've just come out of a season of, of wandering. And it's, it's tender. Your heart is tender. Well, our word today from Deuteronomy 4 should encourage us because we're, we're not alone in the fact that our hearts are prone to wandering. In fact, in today's passage, we see Moses pleading with his people and commanding his people, the Israelites, to be keepers of faith, to follow the commands and the truths and the law and the decrees of God to, to keep the faith because they are prone to wander. It's, it's almost like a, Moses is almost like a grandfather here, a father or a grandfather looking at his children and grandchildren and saying, keep the faith. Let's turn there this morning. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to read it in sections and, and then teach through that section and rather than going through the whole, uh, reading the whole passage at once this morning. So let's start there uh, at the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Israel, hear. Remember the introduction here that Moses is giving some commands. He's pleading with his people and giving commands to them. Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what commands to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. So Moses has gathered all the people around him. He's about to reintroduce and, and, and re-proclaim uh, to them the Ten Commandments. And he's, he's doing, uh, before he gets there, he gives this introduction. He gathers the people and he pleads with them and he gives them, them some commands before they receive the Ten Commandments and some more details about God's laws and God's commands. And the, the first thing that jumps out to us when, he's, when he's, he's gathered Israel in this valley of this Baal Peor, he's gathered them, and the first thing he says to them is, is here. Now, Israel, here. And we hear that word, and we hear the word here. We need to recognize something about what Moses is saying here. Moses is not simply saying let the words that I am saying hit your ears. He's not simply saying, just listen, hear. He's saying to, to hear with your whole mind and your whole heart and your whole will. He's, he's telling the people of Israel that, that they need to engage deeply here. This is not simply some academic exercise, some words that he's going to present. He's, he's calling the people of Israel to, to follow, to, to listen and to follow and to engage 
deeply with what he's about to teach them. He wants the the word of God, the word that he's about to to give them. He wants it not to simply rest in their ears, but to, to penetrate their heart and to change their actions. Because he uses the word follow and he uses the word keep. These are all words to describe what that hearing should really look like. It should not simply be just words that are hitting our ears, but but actions in, in following and keeping with what we're hearing. That these words would change their, their very minds, their very hearts, their very souls, their will would be bent to the word of God. If I were to think ahead to the New Testament, I think of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, where it says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the the lesson in the New Testament about what hearing means and what following means and what keeping means. It means we turn all of ourselves, turn our eyes and our lives, our bodies, everything about us to Jesus and follow him. And we run after him and we run the race because we've turned and engaged simply beyond just our ears we don't grow weary, and we don't lose heart. We keep the faith. Let's press on in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 4, verses 3 and 4. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. So what happened at Baal Peor? What's going on here? What is Moses raising in this moment? The very place that Moses has the people gathered where he's pleading with them and commanding them to be keepers of faith is the very place that something terrible had happened just a few years earlier. In that place, the men of Israel, you can read about this in Numbers 25. It's a a very... A powerful passage in Numbers 25, it explains that at this place, the men of Israel, the Israelite men, um, had sexual relations with Moabite women. They were sexually immoral with Moabite women, which was against God's command for the people of Israel. And because of that, 24,000 people died not simply because of their sexual immorality, but because Numbers 25 tells us that they had yoked themselves with Baal Peor. They had unyoked themselves from following God and they had yoked themselves. They had given themselves. They had worshiped these foreign gods. And God struck them. It says there's anger burned against them and 24,000 people were killed. But what Moses points out here, he points out that 
that not everyone did that. Not everyone yoked themselves with Baal, that there were some that stayed yoked to Yahweh. There were some that, what does the text tell us? They held fast. That's not something we say in our daily lives, that hold fast. We don't really say that, but you can, you can hear it. You, you can feel it, right? That there's much more going on than they, they just remembered God's word or they knew God's word. They held fast to it. They followed it. They kept it. They lived it. They didn't compromise. They didn't, cre- they didn't, they didn't act sexually immoral. They held fast. And what happens when they held fast? They, they had life. They lived. Now, holding fast to God's word, God's commands, God's decrees, being keepers of the faith brings life. Let's press on. Deuteronomy 4 Verses five through eight. See, Moses says, see, I have, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great? as to have their gods near to them the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? It's interesting to me here. I don't know if it strikes you at all, but we know that the, the people of Israel, they're about to enter the promised land. They're about to go into, cross the Jordan, go into the promised land. And in that land, there are people that are hostile to the Israelites. They don't want to give up their land. And there's a series of, of wars and battles and, and things that are about to take place. And they're right on the cusp of going into the land, right on the cusp of, of entering into that difficulty of possessing the land. And God doesn't in this moment, and and Moses doesn't in this moment, give them a battle plan. He doesn't talk about strategies for battle. He doesn't talk about the the pain that's going to happen or or how to win the war or to fight. He he says, if you want to take possession of the land, if if you want to live and thrive, the most important thing that you do is you follow and you observe the law of the Lord. This is what's most important to you as a people. Because as you enter the promised land, it's going to be really easy for you to do exactly what you did at Baal Peor and interact with that culture in a way that I have commanded you not to. Your hearts are prone to wander, Israel. And so you must observe and you must follow and you must keep the commands of the Lord to be keepers of faith. This is the most important thing. This is what matters most. The battles and the conquest will take care of itself if you remain faithful to me. This is what is most important. And it's not simply that the people would, would listen, right, and, and know it in their head. It, following and observing is, is action, that they're living this out. Live this law. Believe this law and apply this law. Be doers 
of the faith. I think of James. So Moses' words to Israel and then James' words to the church. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The people of God are to be keepers of the faith, following and observing and acting in ways that are under God's commands, pursuing righteousness and holiness. And this will be a light to the nations, right? Moses, Moses says that the nations will see that this, this God that you, these beautiful laws and decrees he sets out for you, you follow them and he's close to you. It's this powerful relationship that the people of God have with their very creator. We talked about that last week in Moses' prayer. Let's press on. Deuteronomy 4, 19 through 14. Moses tells the people of Israel, only be careful and watch yourselves. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them, teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded to you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you these decrees and laws. You are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Be careful. Watch yourself. Be careful and watch yourself, Israel, because your heart, your heart can wander. Your heart can fade. You can hear these things. But if you, if you don't watch yourself, if you don't act on these things, it can fade from your heart and you can wander. I hear Moses being like a parent in this moment. Be careful. You watch yourself. Be careful. I think of myself when I was teaching my, I have two boys that can drive now, 18 and 16. And there's that moment where, you know, they're, they're more confident. And so instead of this, it turns into this. <laughs> You're like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> Get your hands on the wheel. Be careful. Watch yourself here. Don't think that you're more capable than you really are. Be careful. If something bad can happen, be alert. Keep tabs on yourself. And the truth is, church, we, we know what we're capable of, right? If we don't watch ourselves and if we aren't careful. We know what our heart is capable of. We, we know what we can get into. We know the paths that we can go down if we let our hearts wander from the truth of God. 
I'm reminded of Paul's words to the church here in, in Corinth. So Moses' words to his people and Paul's words to the church in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Paul is speaking to a church that's, that's dealing with some very significant sexual immorality within their body and a very sinful culture all around them. And Paul says, like, you think you're good? You think you're standing firm? Be careful because you could fall. Be careful. Watch yourselves. I think of Matthew, Jesus' words in Matthew 26, 14. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because church, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. The flesh wants us to engage in all sorts of things that will absolutely cause destruction in our lives. Watch ourselves. Be careful. Because your heart can wander. It can lead to all sorts of pain in your lives. And, and this is what Moses is teaching his people. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. And this is what Paul is reminding us of. So what is, what is a way that we can watch ourselves? What's a way that we can be careful? And I would love to introduce here all sorts of different spiritual disciplines that, that help us keep ourselves on track. But there's one that Moses points out to the people of Israel. And I think it's important for us to think about this morning. And it is the idea of remembering. So right after Moses says, be careful, watch yourselves because your heart may fade, your heart may wander. He, he says, remember. Remember what God did for you at Horeb. Remember the covenant he made with you. Remember, Israel, that he spoke to you. He spoke to you. You, you couldn't see him, but he cared for you in this beautiful, powerful moment where he said, you are my people and I am your God and here are the laws and decrees to, to protect your very hearts so that I can be with you and close to you. He spoke those words to his people. And Moses says, remember what happened at Baal Peor? Well, remember what he did at Horeb. And church, that's a powerful reminder for us to remember when our hearts start to grow weary and our hearts are tender, and we, and we start to feel ourselves wandering from God or wandering from the faith or, or losing hope or not clinging to righteousness. Remember, remember what God has done for you. Remember that, that dark night of the soul where he met you in a powerful way and he ministered to you through his spirit and said, I love you and I care for you and I know you and I want the best for you. Remember that terrible, painful time you were living your life and, and a, a, somebody, a person of God came alongside you and said, I'm praying for you. Remember that time when you were, you felt all alone or you felt totally broken or abandoned and, and God was faithful to you. Remember that time when you were trapped in sin and you were totally unfaithful to him and he didn't give up on you. Remember. Remember. Remember what he's done for you. When your heart is hurting and prone to wander, 
There's a God that knows you. He knows everything about you. And he calls you back to himself. Don't forget, church. Don't wander. Remember. Moses ends this part of his introduction and and he goes on to to share with them the Ten Commandments, but he ends this part of his introduction about, about teaching, about teaching specifically parents and children. And I realize in this room, not everybody is a parent, but you had a parent and you know a parent. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about this, this huge part of the text. Moses mentions it twice, parents to children, parents to children and their children. There's this, this powerful thing that Moses lays out about how the commands, decrees, the faith, how is it, how is it kept? How is it established from generation to generation? And he, and he points out and he shows us that it, it happens from parents to children. Pass this on. Teach these things to your children. This is God's design. This is God's plan. There's this beautiful plan that God lays out about how the faith is kept. And if you're a parent in this room, it's, it's your job. This, this is what you're called to, is to pass on these things, to pass on the things of faith to your children. This is your primary occupation. Understanding, believing, knowing, holding fast to the things of God, to the faith, to his laws, to his commands and his decrees, and then passing them on to your children. It's a big job, isn't it? It's a weighty work. But it's God's plan. It's God's design. You, mom, you, dad, you are responsible for sharing the things of God with your children and for training them and passing on the faith. This is what, what Moses teaches his people and church, at the same time, as we, we know this to be true in Scripture, and we're going to talk about a couple other verses, but we know this is true in Scripture, but I can tell you, if you've done any reading on the topic about how children, how disciples are grown and made, the primary faith influencers in a child's life are their parents. No matter how great their Sunday school teacher is, and no matter how great their youth group is, and no matter how wonderful their Christian friends are, and no matter how great their Christian education is, there is mountains of research that will tell you that all those things are great and important, but what really matters in a child's life is a mom and dad who share with them the things of God and teach them his laws, his commands, his decrees, the faith. For children to have the best opportunity possible of following Jesus their whole life is to have parents 
who disciple them. Parents who teach them. I think of Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We see this now to the Israelites, and we hear it from Paul to the early church. All right, I want to take a minute and talk about this idea of teach. I want to talk about this idea of teach because Moses is telling us, teach, teach your children. Well, what does he mean? We look back and we, we spend some time on this word teach. The Hebrew word used here in Deuteronomy 4 is the word lamad. Lamad. Let's say it together. Lamad. Lamad is the word used here. And I think it is, it is poorly translated to English. Because when we hear the word teach, we think of an academic setting, right? Like a, you, you tell me something and I will know it. But the original meaning of this word, lamad, is this idea of poking or stinging or prodding like a shepherd would do to a sheep. Lamad is not simply about words, but it's about actions. And it's, it's two, two things here. So it's, it's, it's leading and teaching in a way that brings action. But it's also about teaching and leading in a way that involves action. You following me? It's not simply teaching for results, but it's actually teaching in a way that involves action. It's experiential education would probably be the way that we would think of it today, where we are active in our teaching, and our teaching is designed to transform a heart that produces righteousness and actions. We tracking? This is the Hebrew word, lamad. If we look ahead to to Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. It says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Church, this is Lamad. It's not simply communicating words but it's going about everything in your life to impress upon your children the truth of the gospel, who God is. It's not simply about gathering your children in your living room and reading them about Noah and the ark. It's much more than that. It's much deeper than that. It's much more significant than that. So how do we do this work? How, how do we do Lamad? in our homes with our children. Let me help us get a little bit practical. One of the things that I do to understand something better is to understand what it is not. You guys do that sometimes? So Lamad is, is not done. It doesn't happen simply by osmosis. Where just because our children are around us or just because our children are in the church that somehow they're going to get infected by the things of God. It's much deeper than that. It's much more meaningful than that. It involves much more work than that, church. 
It means that as I go about my day and if I'm with my children, that I'm teaching them and explaining to them and showing them what God has done for me and what God is doing in the world. If you hand somebody who's standing outside of Jewel looking for a meal and you bring him some food, you take that time and you take that moment to explain to your child, these are the things of God. And this is what God would have us do. That this man is hungry and he needs something to eat. We don't just assume that they, they absorb the truth. That we guide them as a shepherd. We actively teach them the things of God. Second, the second thing, it is not. It is not the job of professionals to disciple our children. This is not something that we outsource as parents. Well, at least, at least they're going to Sunday school. Well, at least they're in a good youth group. Well, I love their small group leader. They'll fix them, right? Teenager, parents of teenagers. They'll set them straight. They'll teach them the gospel. They'll teach them the word of God. Guys, at GBC, those things exist to support you, to walk alongside you, to be another voice in the conversation, backing up what you're teaching at home. Because we know and we recognize that you parents are the primary faith influencers in your child's life. This is your calling and this is your work. We don't outsource discipleship. The third thing I want to add is is that sometimes we feel like it's just not worth the effort as parents. That our kids are in a tough spot and it's, it's not worth the conversation and it's not, it's not worth the awkward moment. It's not, it's not worth it. I think especially here of parents of teenagers. I can tell you right now that I've got five teenagers at home. 13, 14, 15, 16, and 18. Some of the most beautiful times in parenting have come with five teenagers in my home. Do you know how much fun it is to be around five teenagers? Some of the most beautiful parenting moments, when you get to see your kids actually do the things that you would hope they would do, and they don't do it consistently all the time, but there's these moments, right? you get as a parent. But the giggles when I said I have five teenagers represents the fact that five teenagers are difficult. Five teenagers can be difficult because the emotions are all that more big and real and deep. And the consequences for actions are all that more significant, right, than they were in third grade compared to a, a junior in high school. The things that they can get involved in, the freedom that they have can be unnerving as a parent. But I want to encourage you, young parents, that painful work of trying to get your young children to sit around you in the living room for a five-minute story and a time of prayer is absolutely worth it. It's worth it. All the work, all the pain, all the hard conversations, 
all those awkward moments when you catch your kid in sin and it's going to get embarrassing and awkward, but you know you got to enter into it, it's worth it because it's God's design that parents do that work, the hard work, the messy work, the frustrating work, the day after day after day grind. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Church, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Let me offer a few takeaways. The first thing is to do is pray. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Pray for your kids. Young parents, get with parents who've done some of this work. Ask them to pray for you in your work. Second thing I would offer is to be consistent. Be consistent. Find routines. Find things that you can do on a regular basis. Third thing is I would say is be active. Find things that you can bring your children into in the faith where you can actively learn, grow, and serve together. I love that our care center, when, our, when the kids get to a certain age, they can join their parents in serving. Fourth, and this might be the most powerful one, share the Bible. Share God's word with your kids, but don't stop there. Share with your kids how this word, God's word, has impacted your very heart, how it has changed your very life. Tell your kids about when you were lost and God found you. Tell your kids about the mistakes that you made and his loving forgiveness of you. Tell your kids about the times you were broken and he brought amazing healing in your life. Open God's word with them, but open your heart with them. Open your life to them. Because if you want your kid to follow Jesus for his or her whole life, it's because they can look at you and see what's happened in your very life. They have an example of the power of God living with them in their home. Church, that's where the work is done. We live our lives and we show our children what God has done in our very lives and hearts. Amen? Let's pray. God, you're beautiful. You're awesome. You're powerful. I love you, Lord. I, I, I love your word. I love that we get to to learn and grow and be challenged and inspired. God, I pray for our very hearts, that our hearts would not wander. And God, I pray for the hearts of our children, that they would not wander. And for children that have wandered, Lord, I pray that they would come back to you. Lord, we know that the story is not fully written, and so, Lord, we pray that you would find those children that have wandered from you and bring them back. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.